Who's your number one hero? Who's your number one hero? I mean, uh, as surveys were taken on this, do you know what most people said? Mom. Mother. Dads came in later. In fact, mom's got 25% of all the people, and dad's got 16%. Now, I got to say, not all mothers are good mothers, but most mothers are. Most mothers are really good mothers. Now, why should we honor them? Well, the Bible tells us to honor them. That's a, that's a good reason, and, and probably that's enough. But maybe we need to go a little bit beyond that. You probably had a great mother, and you probably have great reasons to honor your mother. But I would like to give you some great reasons to honor your mother as well. I'm going to use Moses' mother as an example. And Moses has a great uh, mother. Now, sometimes when we tell the story about Moses, you know what we do? We um, kind of treat her like part of the scenery and don't really pay any attention to what she did. But let me tell you about her. Her name was Jochebed. Her husband's name was Amran. All of this is a scripture. They're both Levites. You see, that would be the priestly tribes. So I'll begin by reading uh, Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 to begin with. It says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Let me give you a little bit of the background here. Let's first, let's look at the family. Miriam is the oldest uh, child in this family. Now, we don't know exactly how old she was, but she had to be a young child in order to fulfill what she's going to do in the story that was, we go along. We know that she's, uh, she's got to be probably a young girl. She might be 10, she might be 11, 12, somewhere in that age. I have no idea how old she is, but she's old enough to perform what she needs to do later. Now, Aaron is also an older brother of Moses. Now, he's three years older. Now, how do I know that? I always want to back these things up. In Exodus 7, 7, it says, now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. So you got to figure this out. He's three years old when Moses is born. It's not hard to figure that out. A decree comes out from Pharaoh that all the male babies would be killed by the midwives. Uh, this decree evidently comes after Aaron's birth. You understand? Because he's not, uh, they didn't have to hide him or do anything else. So according to the story, at least we don't have any story of that. And Moses then came later. Moses, or Pharaoh rather, is fearful of the Hebrews because of their numbers. There are so many of the Hebrews. And, and honestly, in that day and time, it wasn't about your military might in a lot of ways. It's about the numbers of of people that could rebel against you. And they could actually take over. They could take over this kingdom. So he puts the, uh, Pharaoh puts them under his thumb and, uh, you know, keep them from revolting. Now, they were made slaves. Now, there are three types of slaves. There are three types of slavery. There is chattel slavery. Chattel slavery means you treat them, uh, you treat people as if they are livestock. You know, you can you buy them, sell them, you can do anything you want to. There is bonded labor. Bonded labor means that you have to work something off. You're, uh, you, uh, you essentially, you sell yourself as a slave for a period of time. And then you're, when you've had that period of time that uh, expires, then you're, you're, uh, you're a free person again. And then there's forced labor. Forced labor is, is that they, they literally force you to work. That does mean you get to go home. I guess you could run off, but I'm telling you what, if you've been to Egypt, you know there's no place to run off to. You couldn't go off by yourself. So quite frankly, they were under this forced labor that is going on. So um, 
Pharaoh decrees that all the new male children born shall be thrown into the Nile. Now that came after that didn't work with the midwives. Midwives supposed to, to have killed these children, but they, they, uh, uh, what happened was, is that he says now they, they need to be taken after they're born and thrown into the Nile. See, male would make, males would make up the forces that would come against him in a revolt. And I can only imagine that his thinking is, is that if the girls grew up to be women and there are no males for them to marry, they'll have to marry the Egyptian men and then they will lose their culture. They'll lose their family structure and all of that. Now, I'll tell you, evil commonly attacks family structure. I'll tell you, that's, that's normal uh, for evil to do that. Uh, it often takes men out of the homes. That's what evil works on. It takes men out of the home. And so what happens is it presents a, a picture of manhood that is not conducive to the family. In other words, it, it basically trains the men not to be good men, good husbands, good leaders of their families. You know, it, it, it uses the things of the world to take these men out of their uh, family. It takes the things of, of physical pleasures and, and money. And even pride to take them out. And then it does something else. It ridicules men to the point where men don't even feel comfortable at home. Men are the, the people at the home that they never do anything right. They're, they're, you know, they don't have enough sense to get out, from the, out of the rain and that sort of thing. So they're, they're ridiculed. And that's the way a society does when it's destroying the family. And evil is going to destroy the family. And so then men are absent when they're needed because of all of this. So they, this is evil working here. But Jochebed hides Moses for three months. This is what a good mother does. For good mothers protect their children. They protect their children. Maybe the earliest memories you have of your mom is her protecting you. You got into a parking lot. What did she say? You take my hand, young man. You take my hand, young lady. I'm going to hold on to you. We're crossing the street. You need to have my hand, young man. You have my hand, young lady. And you go, or nowadays, you've got at the top of the stairs, you've got these uh, toddler gates. So you've got baby monitors when they sleep. You've got car seats that you strap them in. You know, and I grew up, we stood next to our dads while he drove, you know. That was the way it was. And when he hit the brakes too hard, it hurt. I will tell you that. So that was the way it was. But what happens with mom? A good mom will risk her life to save her children. And we know that's the truth. A good mom will risk her life. I read this story when I was preparing this of a lady who was raised on a small farm. When I say small, it was seven acres. This lady, she liked horses, but her sister liked chickens. And she remembered there was a time when there was one hen that had a brood of 14 little chicks. And the weather got, was going to get really, really cold. And so the, the mother hen was out there. She was trying to get the little chicks to get under her, 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 you know, so she could gather her around her and she could literally set her on them and, and keep them warm. But just as soon as she'd get one of those little chicks under there, the chick would, one of them would get loose and they'd start running around. She was trying to gather all the chicks. This lady said the next morning she came out and the hen got up and six little chicks came running out from under her. But the other eight didn't. The other eight didn't make it. And I, two things I learned from that story as I read it. Moms will do all that they can to keep their children safe. That is true. But I also would say this to moms. Moms, you can't make them safe. 
when they choose to be foolish. I'm going to say this to you. Even mothers can't fix stupid. That's just really the rule. That's really something that's out there. And I'm afraid so many women, they think because their children may have strayed, have gone in the ways that they shouldn't have gone, that they say, well, I didn't keep them safe. I didn't do what I needed to do. And they fall under a curse. And this is the curse. I did everything I could. And you know what? That curse is not true. That curse says that you had to do everything and there's always something else you could have done. And therefore you never fulfill, I did everything that I could. You've got to come to some point to realize that you're not going to be able to keep them safe always. They're going to choose to do something foolish sometimes. For even Jesus lamented over this in Luke chapter 13, 34. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones, those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Moms, you do all you you do all is reasonable, but you cannot you cannot protect your children always. But a good mom does what is really her best to make sure her children are safe. But there are times you're just not going to be able to do so. I'll go on. This is in um, chapter 2 again, verse 3 of uh, uh, Exodus. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in a place and, uh, and, and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And her sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. She opened it. She saw the child. And behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. You know, we don't know why the moment came that Jochebed could not hide him any longer. Maybe he made too much noise. Maybe the neighbors were going to turn him in, you know, to the Egyptians. Uh, Regardless, she wasn't simply going to let him be killed. And so what'd she do? I'll tell you. Good mothers plan for their children's future. This is what a good mom does. Jochebed was not about a matter of chance. Jochebed makes a vessel for this little Moses. She covered it and sealed it from the bottom. There's no doubt in my heart that she didn't check it out to see if it would float. And it's buoyant. Pharaoh's daughter came down to the Nile to bathe. Now, the servant girls may have been there to help and look out for crocodiles. You know, maybe it was a place that there were no crocodiles. They say there's no crocodiles uh, north of the Aswan Dam. I'm going to show you this picture. I'm here. I'm holding a crocodile north of the Aswan Dam. This thing is, you know, you know, it was. It could have been dangerous. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? 
Uh, I mean, the, them telling me, you don't have to worry about the Nile. There's no crocodiles north of the Aswan Dam. We get out and there's a crocodile there. This family has it for a pet. In fact, they had a whole bunch of crocodiles there. Little bitty ones as well as these that were this size. So, you know what? I'm not going to get in the water of the Nile just because I don't trust their story. But here's the thing. Even this one is dangerous. And see, for all this to work, Jochebed had to know Pharaoh's daughter's routine. She must know where Pharaoh's daughter bathed. She then enters the reeds a little bit earlier. She places Boses in his little boat and to float there. Miriam is left to watch and to act. Maybe Miriam would retrieve Moses if this plan doesn't work. Think about it. Maybe Miriam's going to go in there and grab the the little uh, guy out of there. But anyway, as planned, the servant girl is sent to bring the basket. What happened was the others walked along the banks. I believe that the servant girls walked along the banks looking for the crocodiles. If you understand what I'm saying, make sure when the Pharaoh's daughter got in there, there was not going to be in trouble when, the, when that happened. So she, they're walking along. The servant girl is in. They need to see there is, there is a basket floating along here in the reeds. Let's, you know, go out there and get it. And the servant girl goes out there and get it. She brings it in and she finds a crying baby. And she declares right away, this is a Hebrew baby. Now, I, don't, I know you watched um, Cecil B. DeMille's uh, The Ten Commandments over and over. And, and Moses, you know, was played by Charlton Heston. Well, I didn't know that he was a, uh, a Hebrew in that story. That story is bunk because this is really what it tells you in the Bible. They know he's a Hebrew child in, in this. And see, and her dad is going to give her anything that she wants. So even though he's made a decree... He's going to let this child live because his daughter wants this. But it should be no surprise that moms plan for their children. I mean, how many of you were told by your moms that you could be anything you wanted? Probably most of you. But if you'd gone in and said, Mom, I've decided to be a drug dealer. How would that have worked? Oh, Mom, I'd like to be a prostitute. Or worse than that, you said, Mom, I'd like to be a politician. You understand what I'm saying? See, why do you think moms go to so many, take you to so many activities? Well, to give you something to do. That's true. I I, I agree with that. To give you something you like. Yes, I agree with that one too. But also to help you find out what you want to do. Why do moms work so hard with you and your homework? They have a plan for you to graduate. They have a plan for you to make them proud. Do you think that Jochebed might have had some tremendous plans for her son? She didn't try to send him out of the country. She didn't try to dress him up and pretend that he was a girl so that he could get by the, the Egyptians' uh, uh, scrutiny. She didn't try to you know, pass him off to any, any Egyptian to raise him. You know what she did? She put him in the palace. Think about the plans there. She put him in the palace. And so how many of you can say, my mom came to all of my games. My mom came to all of my recitals. My mom wanted me to succeed uh, above all else. Well, your mom planned for you to succeed too. Let's go on through 7 through 9 here. It says, 
Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the, uh, the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter and, uh, said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and she nursed him. Now, isn't this a great story? Here's the deal. It's remarkable. Miriam tries to casually walk by. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just a Hebrew girl walking by, you know, happens to be at the right place at the right time. And so Pharaoh's uh, daughter takes the, you know, takes the child. The child is crying. She's having pity on him. Miriam runs up. Now, this is the key in any sales job you ever do. Don't give them much time to think about it. You understand? She runs up there because, I mean, how many times you watch on TV? It says, if you call within the next five minutes, you will get such and such. If you, it says, uh, this is a limited time offer. How long, you know, they, they want you to act right away because if, you give, if you're given a whole lot of time, you might not be able to do it. So she runs up to her and she says, do you want me to get a Hebrew woman? Can you imagine? This is a situation that she is. Can I, you want me to get you a Hebrew, Hebrew woman to nurse the child? This is before Pharaoh's daughter can really think about it that much. So where's Mir- Miriam go? Does she pick just any Hebrew woman out there? No. She picks her mother. She brings her mother in there. And her mother's evidently not that far away. And brings her in. You think the planning is dead? This is not coincidence. This is not any coincidence. This timing is essential that is here. Now, Jochebed puts her son in the palace and is paid to take care of him. Now, how, isn't, that a, isn't that a deal if you've ever heard anything like that? You see, because good mothers provide for their children. They provide for their children. It wasn't enough for her to just hope that Moses would make it. She had to make sure that he was provided for. I mean, how many mothers are the last person to eat at the table? Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, often a mother will take care of the child long before they sit down to eat. Often a mother won't get to sit down for very long. In the Christmas story, you know, Ralphie's mother is busy feeding her family. I'll watch this just to make sure I was right about this one more time. She sits down to eat. Her husband asks for something. She sits down again, and Ralphie's uh, little brother, he, he won't eat. And she says, you know, the starving people would like to have that food. And then Ralphie asks for something. And then the narrator says, and I quote, my mother hadn't eaten a hot meal for 15 years. And that's what moms do. That's what moms do. Good mothers provide for their children. Let's read verse 10 here. And when the child grew up and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son, she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Now, Pharaoh's daughter names him Moses. In Hebrew, Moshe means to draw out. In Egyptian, Moshe means is born. That's why you have Thutmose. Thutmose, it means Thut is born. That was one of the names. Egyptian names. Jochohed brings him to Pharaoh's daughter. Ancient Hebrews weaned their children about age three. 
to give you an idea, and I would say that's probably the age that Moses is when she is, he is brought to Pharaoh's daughter. But here's what a good mother does. This is the most painful thing that a good mother does. But good mothers part with their children. They part with their children. There comes a day when the child must be on his or her own. And those days come along like the first day of school. You take them to the first day of school. You let them, that first time that you let them drive, in other words, without you in the car, and you let them go. The first day they start their own life, either maybe they go to college or trade school or go to work. And then there's a day that the child is married, gets married. That's why I think it's said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. What it's actually saying there is they leave their father and their mother. They leave. And I can tell you that I know that moms would like to hold on, but they need to let them go. When each of our girls left for college, we had a difficult time. And in about a week, we got over it. That's the truth. But you've got to let them go. It's important that you let them go. When we come and we have a parent and child dedication, you see, we have to let them go. Because if you have truly given your children to the Lord, you just can't hold on to them. You can't hold on to them. You've got to let them go. You see... If you do, if you do hold on to them, then they're not going to be able to do what the Lord has called them to do. See, there's many people, I believe, in the ministry that that can't do what the Lord wants them to do because mom is still holding on to him or her. I read the story of Hudson Taylor. I'll bring it up in the next couple of weeks in a message. But I read the story of Hudson Taylor in, in 1853 when he was leaving to be a missionary to China. You can imagine he's getting on a boat. He is expecting never to see his mother again. Not ever, ever, ever to see her again. And what happens? <laughs> she comes on the boat. She prays with him. She gets off the boat, and he says she walks along as the boat is leaving the harbor. And then as they finally cleared the harbor, he he heard his mother cry. He said he knew what God so loved the world meant then. But she let him go. See, most of you had great mothers. Some of you are great mothers. What are those four characteristics? You protect them, you plan for them, you provide for them, and then you part from them. And your mother probably did that for you. So honor your good mother.